This is Issues 2022. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is journalist, musician, and author Joe Stump. Hey, welcome to Issues 2022, Joe. Nice to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Steve. Let's, let's begin, if we can, with a, with a little background. Uh, where are you from, and, and when and how did you arrive in Wichita? Uh, I'm originally from Alton, Illinois, which is a little town across the river from St. Louis. And um, I've been a newspaper business a long time. I worked for papers in um, Texarkana, Tulsa, and Little Rock before moving to Wichita in 2000. And what, University of Missouri and the journalism school there? Yep, that's the place. Gosh, how many how many people do I know that got into journalism that went through through that school? Must be a pretty good school for journalism then, huh? It was. It was a great school. I wish I'd applied myself a little bit more when <laughs> I was there, but it, it gave me a... At least the basics, which uh, which great. Yeah. Hey, well, what were your duties at the Wichita Eagle? Uh, I came to the Wichita Eagle as their food editor. I was kind of my full-time job, and I also worked as a news editor on weekends. I was sort of in charge of putting the paper out on, um, like, a Saturday or Sunday night. Okay. So have you always had an interest in food? Uh, uh, I mean, more than average, because everybody's <laughs> interested. I've always eaten. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I have. I cooked as a kid, and then I kind of gave it up until sometime, I think, in my late 20s, I started to realize, you know, it's kind of fun to do, and um, it's kind of, you know, I, I eventually I thought, you know, maybe I can impress some chicks by cooking, and it worked. That's how I got my wife, so. Really? You know, yeah. Well, I've been in the kitchen since I've been married quite a bit, and it does work with them. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that if I if I cook a nice meal for her, it's better than even flowers. But yeah. right, right, they appreciate the thought. They do. Now you you are a musician. I want you, if you, if you would, please tell us about your music. What instruments do you play? Okay, well, primarily I play guitar and sing, but I can take it on a few other instruments like drums and piano. And um, I play a lot of gigs around town here. Um, kind of both as a solo act at places like Newport Grill um, for dinner crowds, and then I also have a band called Fly By Night. And actually, we're playing the uh, Cinco de Mile party tomorrow at Mort's, if anybody's interested. We have learned a lot of Spanish just for the occasion. Yeah, there you go. Like, you know, Dos Equis. Uh, <laughs> Modelo. <Arvo. laughs> yeah. So what, uh, you answered a couple of my questions already. What kind of music do you, do you and your, your band play? Well, we play a pretty big variety, kind of try to read the crowd, see what they might like. But we probably, you know, play like um, a lot of rock and roll, some country. We have a kind of a jazz ensemble that we play out a few different places. And so it just kind of depends on the evening, the crowd, and the venue. So any Barry... Like a lot of types of music. Any Barry Manilow? That... <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one thing I don't have, but I'm not, I'm not anti-Barry Manilow. Have you ever done that... Uh... The gig at the Botanica, they've had, uh, what was it, Tuesday nights or something? You, yeah, you know it's been talking? a few years. But, it, yeah, it's a fun gig, especially since I understand they've moved it out to their new um, Grand Lawn, and that, that's a really nice venue. We haven't uh, played there yet, but I've seen it, and it is a really cool spot if uh, people haven't seen it yet. Have you, uh, over the years, <clears throat> you had probably had some pretty interesting uh, experiences in playing <laughs> in different places. Anybody oh, ever yeah. anybody ever come up and give you a, give you a hard time, Joe? Um, yeah, you know, there's always that guy who's in the back yelling, play Freebird. And, um, <laughs> yeah. just the other night, a very nice lady, <clears throat> she, she was very nice and she was sitting right by our drummer and she kept tipping us, but she also st- kept falling out of her chair into the tip jar. So eventually 
they had to escort her out. But you know, it's just she was just having a little too much fun. So, so when you were when you were youngster, what who influenced your music wise? Who who do you think were were the best? And um, I think I was kind of drawn to like um, singer songwriters, you know, just like Bob Dylan, uh, Bruce Springsteen, guys like that. And then as I got a little bit older, I really got into uh, and was living down south. I really got into. Uh, uh, blues music, uh, traditional Delta blues, and then so and I love I love country music like Johnny Cash and um, you know guys like that. So I guess singer songwriters in general. So uh, do you have? Uh, you, uh, I got it one piece at a time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, boy. I mean, these these are great great story songs. Oh, yeah. One thing about country music. Um, uh, you know, like a big river, uh, boy named Sue, um, you know, Johnny's got Folsom prison blues. He's got a, he's got a hundred of them. Well, he's, he's one that I, I love too. I mean, I've got his CD in my car. Uh, yeah. And I shouldn't, uh, Hank Williams senior. I mean, uh, phenomenal. It's amazing how many songs he wrote considering he died at like age 29. Yeah. Hey, your, your resume says you are a caterer. Uh, so do you ever combine your music with your catering? Um, occasionally I'll play a couple tunes. Um, I'm more of a, uh, I do more of a culinary, I'm more of a culinary instructor right now out at Mark Arts, Art Center. And, but occasionally we'll do, um, private parties out there and somebody will ask me to play a few tunes. So I'll try to kind of gear them toward whatever style of food we're, we're playing with, if it's Mexican or, you know, uh, Spanish or Italian, something like that. So is it venues like that, but, uh, but... Do you play uh, w- weddings and, and those kinds of things too? Um, I have played a few. Um, I haven't played too many weddings. More rece- I've played more receptions than actual weddings. You know, when it comes to being a caterer, I mean, uh, that uh, what kind of food do you uh, do when you cater somebody? Well, it's just uh, up to you know whatever they want um, <clears throat> and whatever we can. The facilities will allow, you know, in other words, is there an on-site kitchen? Do I need to transport it across town? Um, it really just kind of depends on, on what they want, how many of them they are, what their, you know, budget is, that sort of thing. Well, I, but I've done all all sorts of uh, events. Yeah, so I was going to ask you next, where do you prepare your food? Do you actually have a, a permanent kitchen someplace or you're not doing it out of, the, out of your house, are you? Um, every once in a while, I'll do it out of the house, but that's kind of frowned upon. Um, but the uh, kitchen out at Mark Arts, where we do a lot of these, ha- is a uh, commercial kitchen. And so we can, you know, do whatever we want out there. Uh, do you have employees other than yourself in this business? Um, they uh, um, hire somebody to help me out uh, to sort of um, clean up after us. Um, and actually, the person they use is a graduate of Butler's culinary program so she knows a lot about food too and can help help these classes uh in parties private parties that we do out there how is that butler? That's a, oh, go how is that butler program i've heard about it it's a pretty good program yeah it's yeah i used to teach in it when um it's on the move um uh, scott redler one of the founders of freddy's recently uh, made a really generous donation to him and so butler's culinary program which has been located in wichita for all its, its entire history is moving out to a new facility in Andover at the, um, I believe it's right at Andover and um, Ronan Kellogg are very close to there. And it's going to be great. It's going to be, uh, you know, like a state-of-the-art facility. And um, so I can't wait to see what happens with that. I'm no longer teaching with with 
them, but I know that they're still putting out a lot of good students. You talk, and then, go ahead. And then I'll mention also there's going to be a rival program. WSU Tech is opening its own culinary program in downtown Wichita in the old Henry's Department Store. Oh, okay. So we're going to have a lot of trained chefs in this city all of a sudden. Well, I imagine there's demand for that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think people dining out is a uh, main source of entertainment here and elsewhere. Absolutely. How, how has the pandemic impacted your catering business, Joe? Well, um, uh, it's, I'm, I, I've never done that much catering. I'm more, like I say, a corner instructor. And the classes have restarted at uh, Mark Arts um, probably almost – they start, restarted back in spring, and they've all sold out. You know, I think people were willing to – more than ready to get back out and be doing stuff. And um, these are hands-on classes that everybody kind of participates and takes part in. And um, like I said, they're all sold out. So, And they're actually expanding the kitchen this month out there, doubling it in size wow. because of the demand. Well, the, generally speaking, is, is catering a, a tough business, very competitive, cutthroat? Uh, what's it like? Well, I, like I said, I don't really do that much catering, per se. I'm more of the teaching classes. Okay. okay. So I'm not on anything to do on the level of like a corporate catering like that. Mine are very, very small. Uh, well, let's talk about let's talk about teaching then for just a second. I, I when, okay. just talking to you, I, I took one of the most valuable schools uh, classes I took in high school at Wichita West was a thing called Boys Foods. Oh. And, and it was, uh, you know, there were four guys to a, to a table, and Miss mm-hmm. Wren was the teacher, and she was a little tiny woman who put up with nobody, no guff from anybody. And I, <laughs> I really thoroughly enjoyed that class, and I think uh, we learned some very valuable life skills. Sarah, for somebody, I, yeah. it's not a, it, it wasn't necessarily a boy's thing growing up in, in the 50s and 60s, but, hey, I loved it. Right. I kind of wish I'd taken that. I did not take home ec in high school, although a few of my friends did. Back then, it was considered more of a girly thing, but I probably could have learned some stuff that I later learned through trial and error. <laughs> and um, I just think cooking, you can a lot of times you can eat so much better and certainly cheaper at home than you can by going out. Not that restaurants aren't great, sure. but um, you can eat healthier. You can kind of cook exactly what you want. And it's a kind of a creative endeavor and um, – I just think there's a lot to be said for somebody who knows who can uh, cook, uh, make for a happier life. You're listening to Issues 2022 on the Odyssey radio stations. Our guest is Wichita journalist, musician, and author Joe Stump. And, uh, Joe, I, I want to turn now to uh, the Active Age newspaper. You are the editor mm-hmm. of Active yes. Age. Uh, how long has Active Age been around? Active Age has been around for about 43 years. And it's a, uh, to tell you a little bit about it, it's a nonprofit newspaper. It was started on the campus of WSU, I guess, 43 years ago. It's kind of a joint project between the gerontology department and the local um, department on, county department on aging. It moved to Friends for a decade. It spent a decade at WSU. It moved to Fr- the campus at Friends University for one decade. And then since 2000, it's been its own standalone nonprofit. And we're located over on West Street, uh, right across from West Street Burgers, which most people know. Do you do you know who who actually started the pay? Who were the first people involved? The first editor? Or um, well, I did, but I don't. Oh, it's okay. not on the tip of my tongue. But as I mentioned, it was some people with the gerontology department. 
um, some also some um, longtime journalists in town that had just retired were involved in it, and um, <clears throat> that's kind of in general who was involved. Now, until just a couple of few few years ago, was it not called active aging in newspaper? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, uh, and a lot of people still refer it to that way. But I they changed the name about I think ten years ago. Um, and I believe they thought it would reflect more, sound less like a paper for, quote, old people than one that was for people who were aging but still active. How uh, did you get involved with the paper then? Well, I got involved. I had was freelancing, writing an article or two for them every month for a few years. And then the lady who was the editor at the time, Fran Kentling, was a good friend of mine from, from our days at the Wichita Eagle. Sure. And she was she was ready to retire. And I surprised her by telling her I might be interested in it. And she never figured me for that. But she hired me to take over. And um, I like it even a lot more than I thought I would. And um, uh, had a lot of help from her in the transition. And sadly, she got ill and quickly died about a year and a half after I took over, but she was a huge help after, you know, going forward. And um, as I mentioned, we are a nonprofit, so I have a, like a, a board of directors I answer to. And um, I don't know, I, I really enjoy the work. How, how many people actually read the paper and, and who are they? Well, it's interesting. We right now have the biggest paper circulation of any newspaper in the state of Kansas. We, we distribute directly to 57,000 homes in Butler, Sedgwick, and Harvey counties. And then we distribute about another 3,000 on news racks around town. And so we have a substantial circulation, and it's geared primarily toward people who are 55 years and older, although we also do um, have subscribers who are more like caregivers of older people. So they might be adult children with a senior parent. And um, so our readership is primarily in Wichita, but we do have maybe um, three or 4,000 in, in both Butler and Harvey counties, and we're trying to expand out to those areas. And um, we have a very loyal readership. I, uh, we are a nonprofit, but we, we primarily depend on advertising for our revenue, but we also accept donations. And last year, our readers donated nearly $100,000 to our paper. Wow. So that tells me that, you know, they do believe in our product and are happy to get it. And, um, you know, we're very grateful to them. I don't, I don't recall subscribing to Active Age, but a few years ago it started showing up at my door. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that might have been before my time here, but the, we do at times we try to um, use stuff like voters' registration records, or, which are public records. We do try to identify people who may have reached 60 years older or something like that, and we'll start sending to sending it to them. And if they don't want it, we'll obviously stop. But we rarely have anybody tell us they don't enjoy receiving it. Well, I've seen a number of articles that I thought were very interesting. I really like it when you get into the local scene and what's been happening. I did something a while back on, on Tom Leahy that I just – Love because I because I knew Tom and knew him well. Oh yeah, yeah, they're uh, right. Uh, yes, the um, major astro, major astro, right. <laughs> now, are you? And we've got. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying we've got one this month. I think that people enjoy on a few, uh, trio of local musicians who've been playing around town since the '60s. That's uh, Don, Don uh, Dan Monnet, well-known lawyer, the lawyer, uh, yeah. 
Phil Snow and Doug Webb. These guys have been playing in bands since the 1960s. A couple of them, I think, are in the Kansas Music Hall of Fame. Wow. And they kind of stayed, started playing in one of their basements during the pandemic and then decided to take it on the road. So they will be out at um, making their public debut at Yaya's this month. Hmm. And uh, we got an article on them. How about that? Now, are you the only reporter or editor? No. I am the only full-time editorial staff. We have oh, a very yeah. small staff, <laughs> yeah, three well, people. But I use a lot of um, good freelancers here in town, and um, you know, I couldn't write it all myself, and so I'm, I'm happy to to have them. Is it is the paper a good advertising vehicle? By that I mean you are selling ads uh, right. for revenue, but do, do you think the ads do reach people and they, and they actually actually work, actually work? I think they do because the reason I think this is because we generally have the same advertisers every month and we're adding yeah. more. Yeah. But, you know, we, we have a large amount of repeat advertisers. And that also goes we have a large amount of um, classified ads, which like certain other papers don't have too much of anymore. And those ads are full of um, ads for, you know, very small business people that do, say, home repairs, yard work, um, you know, things like that. And those people, some of those people have been advertising with us for 20 and 30 years. Wow. So wow. it tells me that they get a return on their investment. I want to talk about what you do in your spare time, and that's uh, writing yeah. books. <laughs> Tell me about uh, your book, Wicked Wichita. What's that all about? Right. Well, I'm a big history fan, and um, I was interested. I got approached to do a book um, by a, na- a national publisher called Arcadia slash history press. And I, I really it was uh, I really wasn't in that interested in that particular topic, but I knew enough about Wichita's early history that I thought a book about um, crime in early Wichita could be pretty entertaining. And so I pitched that to them and they uh, said go for it. And so I that book was published back in um, late 2018 and it's a uh, it's the story basically of Wichita's uh, first uh, 50 years kind of told from the uh, underground up and um, it's got a lot of colorful characters in it I think there's uh, 18 or 19 chapters and um, it it starts out with what a lot of people know about Delano but the main point of the book is that uh, Wichita was a lot wilder and crazier than just what was happening in Delano uh, back in the 1870s that the uh, the sort of colorful characters and crime continued on a pretty pretty wide scale all the way through the early 1920s. Well, as someone who lived in Dodge City as a kid, I know that the the wickedest town in America, they were for about, I don't know, maybe five years, and that was mm-hmm. it. But it sounds like right. Wichita had a little shelf life for their wickedness. Then, huh? Yeah, Wichita <laughs> had exactly the same reputation, especially within – the state of Kansas, but it often made national news back then for some of the things that went on here. So was Wichita then any more wicked than than other towns? Well, it seems like it sort of was. Um, <laughs> at least that, that was the perception. I will just tell you this, that um, there's a database of uh, Kansas newspapers that has really about every uh, newspaper in Kansas that was published from pre-Civil War up to the 1920s. And um, you can go on there. It's got a search engine. So I went in there, and I put in the phrase Wicked Wichita, and I found out that it had appeared in other papers around Kansas uh, 200 times Ooh. during the city's first 50 years. <laughs> so 
that was the city's reputation <laughs> as being a pretty pretty much uh city on the it's kind of on the frontier back then people don't realize that Oklahoma wasn't even a state then that's right so we were on, we were on a frontier we were at the end of the railroad line for a while and um Hey. It's kind of an edge of Indian territory, and it was just a Joe, place. Joe, I know there are a lot of people in New York who think we're still on the end of the world here. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. You have written Iconic Eats of Wichita. Uh, it's, a, it's a surprising history, people, and recipes. What's surprising about Iconic Eats? Um, what I think is surprising about Iconic Eats is I think a lot of people, even longtime Wichita's, don't realize what a really good food town this is if you know where to look and you know the right people. And in particular, I believe our city has an amazing trio of ethnic cuisines that's hardly equal to anywhere that I've visited or lived in the United States. And those three are uh, Lebanese cuisine, Vietnamese cuisine, and Mexican cuisine. Now, that's not the entire book by any means, but that's kind of the middle section of the book I go into the uh, historical accidents that brought these large populations of immigrants to the city, and then I, you know, detail their uh, foodways and have a lot of recipes from great home cooks and restaurant cooks from those cuisines. So that's that's one uh, surprising aspect of it, I think. Okay, so uh, how's it, how are the book sales going then? <laughs> They've gone really good. Really? Um, yeah, can't complain. Yeah, those are the kind of books that, uh, frankly. Uh, if people, I have relatives who have in-laws who live in other places, and those are the kind of books that, at Christmas time or something like that, for stocking stuffers, those people who mm-hmm. used to live here, they, they get a big kick out of those books. Steve, I totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Great stocking stuffer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, writing a book is—it seems to me to be a pretty, pretty tough thing. Uh, it takes a lot of time, a lot of research, but. Uh, uh, do you enjoy that that part of your 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 life? Well, most writers will tell you that they don't really enjoy writing, but they enjoy having written. So, <laughs> you know, writing is a uh, you know it's a mental task. You have to put your mind to it. But um, once it's done, you know, I get a feeling of accomplishment from it, and um, I hope people enjoy it. Well, can you can be satisfied with a page a day? <laughs> Yeah, well, there's many. I think I'm more of a streaky writer. I'll, oh, okay. I will write much more, more than that. And then, uh, and I, I'm honestly, uh, as most writers will tell you, editing is a huge part of it. Yeah. You got to go back and and realize where you've been uh, not clear or silly or whatever, and kind of modify things. Well, so, the, so much today is people who are they they, they buy their books on, buy their books on a computer and they but. Uh, I like to have that book in my hand before I can put my bookmark in there when I get. Right. Mm-hmm. So do you read a Me lot, too. though? Do you have time to read other people's work? I do. Yeah, I read a lot. I'm, um, I'm a, a big history fan, and um, it's kind of odd, but one of my favorite things to read is the Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I inherited my, my pe- the parents, one of my parents bought way back in the 60s, one of those when People used to go door to door selling them, and this is a, like a massive forty four volume set, and it's just it's just fascinating to me. It is truly a picture of the world. Well, I've, I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for being with us. Uh, yeah, and, thank you for having uh, me. Uh, best of luck to you in the future. You're a busy guy. Our guest is Wichita journalist, musician, and author Joe Stump. 
And that's all for this edition of Issues 2022. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.